When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Chris Saylor Show. I'm Jerry Price. I am joined by Princeton women's lacrosse coach Chris Saylor. Coach, welcome. Thanks so much, Jerry. So we got a lot to talk about. You had a nice win over uh, Loyola last night. Uh, you got Harvard at home on Saturday. We were just saying it's unbelievable. It's senior day already. It's the last home regular season game of the year, and it's unbelievable how fast this has gone. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it's an unusual year where we have we finish out April with three games on the road in the league. Yeah, and between, between now and the time we play again, uh, we, we play again, we talk again. You will also played at Penn uh, on Wednesday night. That game's actually on ESPNU, so a lot going on um, in terms of the Ivy League race and everything else. But let's start uh, 25 years ago with the 1994 team, who will be back Saturday against Harvard. Uh, they will be honored on their 25th anniversary. Just talk a little bit about some of the events that you have planned. Yeah, well, we'll do the halftime recognition ceremony for them at halftime of our game. And then that evening, we have a big celebration planned over at the Princeton uh, Forestal Marriott, um, and it's going to be a great evening. We've got, you know, videos and speakers, and it's just going to be a really fun time of reminiscing, I'm sure, telling a lot of stories um, and honoring a really fantastic uh, and high-achieving team. So you went into so, – so let's go back a little bit and talk about this. So 1992, the men win the national championship. 1993 is your – if I'm wrong, correct me, but – you get to the Final Four in 1993. Uh, we actually were in the Final Four in 89, and then in 92 we were in the semis. Um, we lost to Maryland that year, and in 93 we beat Maryland in the semis and lost to Virginia in overtime. We were actually in the national championship game. We were actually um, up 4-1, and then there was a two-hour lightning delay. It was our first national championship. In 90- in 93, Three. and then okay. Virginia came back, tied it up, and they won in overtime so in that game. Was the rise of the men's program and your program, like, it just seems very, like, you know, interesting that they came along at the same time and started to, to really dominate on a national scene at the same basic time. Yeah, it's it's very true. I think the men had, you know, with their string of national championships in in the 90s, we were also, you we went to five Final Fours in the 90s and one in the late 80s. So it was a fun time to be a Princeton lacrosse was it, player. Was there something between you 
uh, your program, Bill Tierney's program, the way you coached, he coached, any of that stuff? Uh, learn from you know, him, I've he never, learned from you? You know, I've never really thought of that, I, though I think that whenever you have um, team sports and the male and female counterpart, when one team's doing well, that inspires the other team um, to do well. You know, I think we probably just had great players on those teams that were, were tough and competitive. Um and, you know, relatively newer coaches. Um, and, you know, I don't know if there was anything in particular, but 94 was a special year because it was the first time in NCAA history when you had a men's and women's team in the same sport, in the same school, winning the national championship in the same year. And that really held for a long, long time. time. Until UConn did it in basketball. Yeah. And then since then, in the last couple of years, both North Carolina and Maryland have done it in lacrosse. But let's go back to 1994. Going into the season – coming off of a national championship game appearance, what are you thinking? Because your team, as I looked it up, you were only ranked fifth in the preseason. Well, t- I know what our team was thinking because um, I'm going to talk about this that night. Uh, we, we, um, we show up for the first day of preseason, and the captains have these shirts to give to every member of, of the team. They're, they're grays. And on the front, it had 1992, Final Four, 1993, runners-up, 1994, dot, dot, dot. And when you flipped it around, it said, uh, the time has come. And so I know our team was very much thinking um, of national championship. And regardless of you know what anybody else thought of us, um, we had a, a really solid core returning and a good freshman class. Um, we knew that we were capable of, of winning at the highest level. So you won your first 14 games of the season and then lost the regular season finale to Maryland. And that yes. was here. Yes. Uh, and then in those days, it was a six-team NCAA, a six-team, not a 16-team, a six-team yeah. women's national tournament in which the top two seeds got buys, and that was you and Maryland. Exactly. So now you had a buy in the first round, and now you, so you're into the Final Four, yeah. and now you have to play Virginia. And you know Maryland's out there that you had just lost to, where, and it's at Maryland. So yeah. where are you in all well, this? Well, and, and we had had a win over uh, Virginia earlier in the year. It was the first time that we had gotten a bye into the Final Four. There weren't as many teams back then, and it was really hard to make the NCAA tournament when they're only taking six teams. So that was always a, a feat in and of itself. Um, and so, you know, at first we had And there to, were no automatic bids. There were no automatic bids, exactly. It was all, uh, you know— Top uh, top rankings, and so first game against uh, against Virginia, we had beaten them in the regular season, um, but uh, we were up. I can't remember the exact score, but we were stalling the ball at the end of the game, and. They stole the ball. This was before the era of the shot clock, obviously. They were able to steal the ball away from us, and, and they tied it up. And now uh, we went into overtime. But, you know, fortunately, unlike the previous year when we had lost to them in the national championship game, we, we were able to, um, you know, secure the victory and, and move on to the uh, rematch against Maryland. So 14-13 was the final, the semifinal game in overtime, and uh, overtime – wasn't uh, sudden death. So was yeah. was it thirteen thirteenth end regulation? And if so, you know you, what, I, Jerry, I because I, I tried to find that. And there's not yeah, like a lot of information. There isn't a lot of information. Do you remember I, I the winning goal or anything? I can't remember offhand, um, and I don't want to say the winning. I, I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I'll, I'll try to find who it. Who scored I'm able that? To find it. Um, it could be Lisa Rabane may have scored that goal um, for us, but um, I'll probably find out this weekend. They'll remember, I'm sure. So now you're in the final against Maryland, um, a team that had just beaten you a couple weeks earlier. So what, where, what, are your, what are your thoughts heading into the rematch? I think we felt really good um, about our chances. I believe that 
score was a 12-10 score against Maryland when we played them here. And we knew we were— It was a two-goal game, yeah. Yeah, we knew we were playing well. And, uh, you know, that that loss to them, it didn't get us down at all. We knew we had competed well, and, you know, we had a great season, and we were excited for the opportunity to, to get to play them, hopefully, again. Um, and it was a three-goal game, right? It was. A, it 10, ended seven. up. A, it ended up a ten-seven game, which was kind of interesting. Just watching the highlights recently of that game. You know, we had Liz Fagan, a, a defender who had never played lacrosse before. She got to Princeton and started every game of her career. Scored a key goal for us in that game. We had a freshman, Janice Petrella, scored two goals for us. Casey Coleman, and Janice was a defense wing at the time. Casey Coleman, another freshman coming off the bench, had a big goal for us. So, um, you know, the the scoring wasn't maybe typical of Princeton games that season. Uh, And we had a huge defensive effort. I mean, Kelly Monte was a freshman on that team. And uh, you know they had some, they had just had great players at that time, Maryland. But our defense was Cindy Timshall the coach. Cindy was the coach. Our defense was incredible. Aaron O'Neill, who was still the all-time uh, career saves leader at Princeton and was a two-time goalie of the year, she was a sophomore that year and she was phenomenal um, in the cage. And I think that was a, a big factor in our victory. A couple of things I noticed when I looked at some of the video of that one is the sticks. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just it's just so different. It was an entirely different uh, time, and there was no basically no stick technology like we all know it, uh, like we all know it today. Um, they were wood still. And so, yeah, a number of the players still used um, use wooden sticks. I mean, that's what they felt most comfortable with. Um, and so there were wood sticks, and even the as we called them in the day, the molded head sticks or the plastic sticks, you could have no pocket. Um, it was real. It's interesting because when I watch some of the highlights of that, it, you see how hard it is to shoot. Yeah, it it absolutely is is hard to shoot and even and even to stick handle. Um, but the game was so different uh, than you know there were no hard boundaries and the first person to you know get to the ball as it yeah. went out of bounds won the ball and you know no restraining lines we were playing 11 on 11 back then and so it was hard to find space in the attack end to open up some good uh, scoring opportunities and everybody had to be able to to run and the, the coaches field to play I remember both ends. this is the biggest thing I remember oh, yeah. was coaches could go anywhere <laughs> on the sideline so you could walk into the middle of their bench yeah well you you, or you I, couldn't I, stand in the yeah you couldn't bench, stand but. there and then they eventually put in a rule where you had to go behind the bench but you could have your defensive coach down at the defensive end the entire game. Same thing with an offensive coach. And then as a head coach, you could just run up and down. Cindy Timshaw was particularly well known for just running up and down the sidelines the, you know, the entire game. Were you? Like, or? I mean, I definitely – I wasn't a runner up and down. And back in those days, I think one of the funniest things is we didn't wear coaching clothes to coach. You know, you had – more normal uh, clothes on. And so, um, but yeah, you went up and down um, the fields um, and were able to be at what other end you wanted. And one of the things I also noticed from watching the highlights, and it's weird because it hasn't been a rule for that long, but it's very weird to see people score goals and not drop their stick. Oh, yeah. And that's been fairly recently that's like that that's, years, yeah, yeah. That, that's really recent. So but it just shows you how like acclimated you get to seeing things a certain way. But one thing the video does show is just how much different the game looks today. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just so different. The skill level, and and don't get me wrong, we had incredible talent on that team. Um, Four first-team All-Americans and and athletes. I mean, Amory Rowe running her 520 mile, and Lisa Rabane was impossible to catch on the field. And we had strong, competitive 
um, kids. But the game of today, I mean, if you watch the, the games on video today versus the games back then, it's just a much higher pace. Um, you know, the athleticism of <laughs> athletes has changed over the years, especially female athletes. Um, and just the, what they can do with the sticks, the skill level. Was, was the 94 team, did you even have strength and conditioning then? Um, I, it, we had strength and conditioning led by the coaching staff. So we would design a program for them, and we would be in the weight room with them monitoring and, and supervising. So back in those days, you wore a lot of different hats. So that's uh, the halftime of the game on Saturday and also the event afterwards Saturday night. Uh, obviously looking forward to that, the 1994 team coming back. Actually, that's the, um, that was the first team, I, the first women's lacrosse I ever saw was your 1994 team. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, uh, that was a good one to see. That was yeah. a great team. So I, I had never really seen any lacrosse until um, uh, 1990 when I first started covering when I was still in the newspaper and I started covering the men's team. But I didn't see any of the women's games anywhere until um, – I got here and I saw um, your team. Actually, no, you know what? It would have been the year before that because I saw uh, I saw your team and the co- and Trenton State now the College of New Jersey play. So that was like, th- but those players, their names are really familiar to me because yeah. those are the first people I ever really saw play lacrosse. Um, but let's talk about the the more recent stuff. The game last night against Loyola, you got out to that six nothing lead, ten two at one point, and they started to come back a little bit. You're thinking a bit about the Brown game at that point. Oh, I don't think we're thinking about the Brown game. I, I was... never got the sense that, like, yeah, they made it a three-goal game at one point, but that was yeah. like two minutes to go, and I never really got the sense that game was getting away at any point. You didn't? No, okay, I'm, I did I'm, glad, not. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I was glad the, that the clock was winding down. I mean, they definitely came on fire the last uh, 10, 12 minutes of that game. I mean, it was 12-4 at one point, and it ended 14-10, so they definitely had a run. We had done a great job on the draws in the first half, um, and their kid is prolific at the draw. Um, but in the second half, kind of like in the Dartmouth game, she began to take over a little bit in the second half of the draw. So they got multiple possessions. And, you know, we had a couple of great possessions that just didn't end in goals. We hit a number of pipes. Um, and then we had some just um, forced possessions or early turnovers in the offensive end. And I think that's one area we need to grow in. We need to recognize that when another team's on the run, on a run, we have to do a better job at the attack end to control the pace of play um, and to not, um, you know, have un- unforced errors um, to give a little, you know, take a little bit of the heat off of the defense end. But we held, uh, we held tough, and, and Fish was, had another great night in goal. I thought Noni was fantastic, Noni Anderson, uh, on um, the draws, you know, winning draws on the ground Six and transition and, and her, her play. Uh, and Alex Argo, who sprained her ankle the night before, comes in to do a fantastic job on their uh, Rosen swag, and she's just as tough as they come defensively. So, you know, I thought it was a great team effort uh, by our kids. So um, with th- that is the last non-league game of the season, and one little note about that game that I thought was kind of interesting is your team came into that game ninth in the country in assists per game, and you had 14 goals and 12 of them were unassisted. And yeah, sometimes, you know, people always think that, you know, oh, you're, you're getting such a high percentage of your goals off of assists, and that's a great thing, sharing the ball and all that stuff. But it's not always a great thing because sometimes it's good to you know be able to score in multiple ways. And Yeah, well, I think so much of that depends on uh, the type of defense you're playing against. We've played against primarily zones uh, this year. There have been a few Maryland, 
Loyola, Florida stand out as teams that, you know, played uh, at Columbia, played a man defense, but we've played a lot of zones. And against a lot of zones, you're going to get more inside looks and you're going to get more feeds off. And a- as you saw, the numbers of our assists against Dartmouth was really high. But we knew um, playing against um, Loyola, which was going to be a man team, they were going to face guard Kyla, which which they did. We really wanted to make their slides longer and, and we knew it was going to be more of a, of a one-on-one uh, or two-on-two kind of a night for us, which it turned out to be. What, Loyola's coach is Jen Adams, right? Yeah, so, Jen Adams and Dana Dobie. So yeah. J- she, what year did she graduate? Uh, Jen was, that I was believe, after 94. 01 okay, was her last year. Yeah, so she was, was a few years after year. 94. Yeah, we right? played her in a number of Final yeah. Fours as well. Uh, she's as good as any player ever, right? She is. Yeah. She is. So um, with that behind you now, it's Harvard. I'll ask you the same question I ask Courtney every year, which is it's your alma mater. Is there anything still, because you've been here for so long, is there anything special about going against them? Um, I don't, you know, to be honest, after after she this long, no. I, I, I really don't think so. I mean, we see them as, you know, another Ivy team that's standing in the way of what we ultimately want for the league. And so, you know, it's always um, – a big game, um, and we're going to be ready. So the loss to Brown is your one league loss, two and one with the four games left. It's Harvard, Penn, Yale, Cornell. Yeah. And you wouldn't really be in that much of a different position had you won that game because Penn being unbeaten. Uh, right. You still you, – we, we would still have to win out. And, you know, and I will say, I mean, Brown has come on really Brown strong, good. right? By one to Penn. Yeah, they, uh, they were ahead of Penn. Penn had to score the last three goals of the game including one with, uh, you know, just over a minute remaining to, to win by one. So Brown, I think, is is legit. Um, and, you know, I think that game really reminded all of us that every Ivy game right. is mean, going to be a battle. You just never ways, know. In some ways, that's good. Like, it gets your Absolutely. attention and all that. Uh, you know, Penn it, It's good if we win out. Right, it's good exactly. if we win out. Um, so uh, what is the on-the-field challenge from this Harvard team? Have you gotten a chance to look at them a yeah, lot Yeah, so well, as, as you can imagine, we're, we've been really focused on um, Loyola. I've watched a little bit of Harvard tape, and, and the rest of today and tomorrow we'll be really breaking that, breaking that down. But, you know, they're going to play a nice uh, zone defense and put pressure on the ball. Um, and they've got, you know, some kids who are really doing a good job on the attack end and scoring uh, big points and Keely McAfee. Um, and one of the freshmen. So, you know, I think um, I think they're going to be a, a challenge, no question. And then Penn is Wednesday night. Uh, you know, Penn-Princeton has been the dominant uh, uh, Ivy League women's lacrosse rivalry now for a few years. Uh, at what point do you start to think about that? You can't worry about that until the game Saturday's over. Yeah, you can't worry about that until Saturday's over. So we got the big event on Saturday night. So Sunday we turn our attention um, to Penn and really start to plan for that. But, you know, one thing I've learned in this league, you, you just can't look far too far ahead. You just really have to focus on the next game. It's what we want our players to do, and it's really what we as, as coaches do. So it's uh, Harvard here. It's 1 o'clock uh, on Saturday is uh, game time. And then the game at Penn Wednesday night. We'll be back next week to talk about both of those and then look ahead to Yale and Cornell and see where the league race is at that point because a lot of it's going to be defined between now and then. So enjoy the event on Saturday and good luck in the games. Thanks, Jerry. So for Princeton women's lacrosse coach Chris Saylor, I'm Jerry Price. Thanks you for being with us, and thank you for your continued support of Princeton women's lacrosse.